Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shannon Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I'm more tired now than I was 20 minutes ago when we started this recording. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm Jay, and I I don't know. I was but before we started this record, I was we were I was discussing with Brian some of his uh, health stuff and doctor's appointments and stuff, and um, medical stuff just kind of sucks. <laughs> that's my expert opinion as a do <laughs> well said well said yes uh and i'm josh and i my my new hobby is wasted on me and i don't understand why trevor doesn't have my hobby because i've now lived boating? the experience of yes boating <laughs> i've now lived the experience of being trapped in what i consider a, a an environment inimical to human life with a uh, you know mechanical instrument, a vehicle uh, that is broken, of which I have basically no skill set to repair, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, why doesn't Trevor do this? Like, he would know how to fix this stupid thing. Because I know better. <laughs> but you like actively like engines and stuff, you know? Like, I follow the instructions per the boater boater, boater safety class that I took. <laughs> you know, and like open my engine up and sniff it to make sure there aren't fumes. And I'm like, I don't, I realize that I don't even know what fumes smell like. So. I'm, I'm not sure I've ever smelled an engine that didn't smell a little bit like fumes. Yeah, right. So <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. I mean, does it smell strongly like fumes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's probably, that's probably what it said. Look, only part of each lesson sticks in my head. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we were on the lake on Saturday. Honestly, we had a great time, but like, at one what point, did, what lake did you go to? Uh, the, it's just the lake up by our house called Blacktail Reservoir. Okay, yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> at one point, I'm piloting, and like, you know, my kids are swapping out, like they're getting off the tube or something like that. And I, I go to like move my throttle to kind of scoot my boat back away from, you know, the rocks that it's drifting towards. <laughs> and I'm like, the throttle won't engage, like despite all of my prayers to unholy gods, whatever, like it would not engage. Anyway, I, f I figured out the problem. I was able to fix it. And like we limped back to port and, uh, and now it's fixed in theory, but I'm like, so I'm like, just, this is my life now, basically. Yeah. So I've had quite a few experiences with boats in my life. And I will tell you that most of them sound very similar to what you just described, which is why I don't get involved with boats. The, the, the truth is, is that cars are to a point in their life cycle okay. where they're generally reliable. I mean, you can tinker with them and the older they get, they have problems, etc. But modern cars 
are fairly reliable. I mean, even if you think about within our own lifetime, the car that I had, my very first car was a 1978 Camaro. It was not very reliable. It had a lot of problems. There were things that, that went wrong with it. And <clears throat> when I thought about it, I got that car in 19, uh, I want to say 1994. So it was a 16-year-old car. So it's the equivalent of a 2005 car right now. Okay, And if I think about a 2005 car, the comparison of how reliable those cars are compared to the cars from the late 70s, and it's just there's a world of difference. Boats it, don't feel like they have gone the same path. Like it, still <laughs> feels, it still feels like they're incredibly unreliable. <laughs> it is like the, the perfect encapsulation of us as hosts. So Trevor's first car uh, was a Camaro. Uh, Josh, I'm going to guess that you got like a, a hand-me-down pickup from uh, Electric. No, a fun, a, a, amusingly enough, mine was a 79 Camaro Berlinetta. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my first vehicle was a Ford Pinto. <laughs> <laughs> Some jokes write themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the funny thing is, is when I was that young, the 78 seemed so far back. You know what I mean? And yeah. then in comparison, you're like at this age, you're like to have a car the same, you know, distance back to buy a 2005 for my daughter seems like why would I buy her something that new? <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Just like it's uh, it feels very different. Yeah, that's funny. I, yeah, my 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 Camaro had a eight track in it, baby. Yeah, mine did too. <laughs> so I am curious, Josh. In in one of our chats a while ago, you said that you were working on. Um, it was like paid parental leave. Is that right? Um, yes, that is true. Yeah. Did, to... did you get that figured out? Uh, I'm in process still. Like I basically have a rough draft of an updated uh, family medical leave policy for my company and I'll be reviewing it with my leadership team over the next couple of weeks. I mean, we're moving in that direction, but it's just one of those things that like nobody's really paid attention to for a while. Yeah. It's, I mean, it is kind of, I guess somewhat semi-related, not super related, but somewhat semi-related that I'm dealing with is that, so, you know, post pandemic, there's a lot of kind of crazy things going on with the economy. It feels like we've, I think we've mentioned yeah. on here before that like the housing market in our area is just like kind of bonkers, bonkers, skyrocketing. Um, but then I, there's also like wages are, are especially on the lower end, which, which I think is good. They're they're seeing increases as well, and and like the the convenience store that's that's next to my game shop, they have a a sign up saying you know now hiring oh, five hundred dollar this... signing bonus with you know up to fifteen dollars an hour, and so you know my assistant manager submitted a, a pay uh, increase request, and it you know I'm I'm basically I'm, I'm using this as an opportunity to review it for the entire company because um, I, you know, I think I, I need to just start paying a fair bit more on payroll with everyone. And so it's like across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, it's, it's kind of an interesting situation. And part of that is if, if you are, um, if you've been holding off on purchasing a, you know, some things from discount games, Inc. Uh, now's a great time because we are probably as, as part of the, uh, wage of, increases. Review of wage increases. There's also going to need to be a review 
of, <laughs> of, the dis- of discount structures. <laughs> and so that that's something that will also potentially be be changing. We we want to still, you know, be better or match the other people on the internet in most areas. But there's there's some lines where we're, you know, like ten percent more than anyone else and that'll shift to, you know, five percent more. Oh, same. sure, sure. So, while still providing unbeatable service. <laughs> So smooth. Those shill muscles have not atrophied in you. <laughs> um, one other thing with Discount Games Inc., the, the Age of Sigmar Dominion box set um, is third edition is just about to release. This is going to be a one-and-done box set. It has lots of stuff in it. Um, I don't know yet how many copies I'll be able to get, so I don't know if it's going to have discounts or if it's going to be in stock for a while or sell out right away, but... Um, if you're interested in that, then then get it while you can. Um, did you guys have have anything else before we dive in? Um, support us by backing our uh, backing us on Patreon. There's a pre-ramble that happens before this where we talk about the things we're doing and things we're enjoying, um, and it's uh, probably funner than this episode, to be fair. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't cost a lot. Give us your support, please. Think of the children. <laughs> Amazing. Is there a uh, is there a vote <laughs> update on the bracket? I'm really curious. Uh, we are on the final vote, okay. uh, which which is the the Lord of the Rings movies versus Star Wars, and um, I'm I'm pretty sure you probably know how it's going. Is it is it a crushing margin currently, or? I, I mean, what would you consider a crushing margin? Oh. 70 percent oh like a 70 percent difference no like 70 80, to 30 80 to, oh uh so a 40 percent difference um yeah that's about 60 40 or 70 30 uh it's closer to 70 30 than to 60 40 <laughs> um it is it is the the biggest challenger to star wars to this date is still D D. D. huh well should have been the mcu but whatever uh <laughs> While I agree with you, um, I, everyone else doesn't. I don't. I, 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 it makes me wonder if we just live in this microcosm of, of Marvel lovers, you know, like yeah, maybe. our own our own echo chamber of Marvel. But um, gosh, I would rather sit down and rewatch all of the MCU than sit down and rewatch all of the Star Wars films. Yeah, it's just a greater experience. So, but whatever. Okay, well, Josh, you recently in, engaged in an endeavor where you decided you were going to read the Hugo Award Best Novel winners. Yes. What What exactly led you to this uh, this journey? I mean, I assume it was some random conversation that we had, honestly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it started something like I've never read an, a Hugo Award winner that I didn't enjoy because I can I can profess that. I've, oh, I've, I've, I I have I've, done this. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure they're out there, but for me, I'm everyone assuming, I've ever read, I've always enjoyed. I'm assuming uh, by this point, Josh has several as well. That I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, they're they're definitely can be love lost. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think, okay, the honest truth is, here's what happened. Uh, you guys decided to reread all the Dresden Files, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
And like, until you reread all the Dresden files, we don't get to have, you know, chain attack style conversation <laughs> about the Dresden files. And I had already read the latest book battlegrounds. Right. And, and so then I was sort of like, oh, what am I going to do while they reread all those? Cause I don't, I don't really want to reread all of them anyway. So th- that was part of it. I was like, I was looking for something to read. Right. And, uh, Oh, I wish I could remember which book I read that made me say, "Boy, I should start reading <laughs> the Hugo Award winners." But 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 there was no specific one. But that's really what happened is that um, you guys were rereading the Dresden Files, and I was like, "I need something to do." <laughs> so I had to give myself a random project, I guess. So I'm a little curious on there's there's a couple that jumped to my mind as ones that like I read them and. I didn't necessarily hate them, but they they did not spark joy in my life. <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing that you're probably going to have liked them more than I did. But the two that I'm thinking of um, off the top of my head were the first one was Ancillary Justice. Yeah, you that one did not spark joy in you, huh? No. did Is that one that you enjoyed? So, yeah, of uh, let's see. I'm tr- I, I was trying to look at how many I've read now. I think of the 20 that I've read, it, it's been in my top five. Interesting. Like, I thought it was just the premise is fascinating. This idea yeah, of a, yeah, yeah. a warship essentially gaining, you know, I mean, Data was one of my favorite characters in Star Trek The Next Generation, so maybe that's part of it. But yeah, just this idea of a warship essentially gaining, I would call it humanity, I guess, you know, was was really interesting and, and well done. So yeah, I did enjoy it. I did you did you not enjoy the plot? Did you find the writing style off-putting? I'm I'm curious. Like, I think what it was about more it? the yeah. I think it was more the writing. Maybe maybe the plot as well. I I can't remember super well. I just remember that it was kind of it was kind of a, I'm going to keep reading this because uh, we've we've come this far. <laughs> oh, you mean like I did with 2312, huh? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, what was the name of this book? So the one that Jay's talking about is Ancillary Justice. And it's basically the story of this warship that kind of goes rogue and be almost like, well, it's almost like Pinocchio. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) human in a way. As I recall of this, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but the the spaceship has basically these these servitor uh humanoids yeah that that's a fair equivalent to call it are that. extensions of it and one of them kind of breaks free and then has its own sentience and it's that an experience yeah i think that's a yeah. good description of it yeah so i i will concur with josh that the concept behind it was um top notch the other one that i'm curious about about with you that um i didn't enjoy as much as everyone else was the three body problem um yeah i didn't i i didn't enjoy that as much as i think the level of praise it received um would have indicated i mean also (laughs) the other thing that i hold against the three body problem is that it's one in the year that the goblin emperor was also a nominee and the fact that the goblin emperor didn't just take every award known to man is of course the greatest miscarriage of justice that i can conceive of her. <laughs> I am I am kind of excited. Um, this this maybe sounds bad, but supposedly there's been a three body problem TV series in development, and it's yeah, one I that thought I had seen that too. That it it's one option. that I could see myself enjoying 
more than uh, as a TV show than as a book. I also wonder, like, the the thing I do wonder about the three-body problem is I wonder how much is lost in translation. Yeah. So for people who don't know, the three-body body problem was written in Chinese. It is takes place in, in a lot of ways, a, a very Chinese setting. Yeah. And then it was translated to English. And my, my understanding is that it's actually a pretty, pretty really good translation. Like an translation. excellent translation. Right? Yeah. yeah. But there's some of it that is kind of like, it's, it can sometimes be, I think, a little bit more difficult for a Western reader to read or follow what's going on because a lot of the stuff is uh, not what you're used to, I guess. Oh, I could see that being the case. Yeah. I think that, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, so what were, what were some of the standouts? I think you've talked about some of them before, but let's, let's, let's go through it. Yeah. Okay. I will call, I will do some callbacks. The The thing that's funny is part of what happened with this project is I started, I said, well, I'm going to read like the most recent, um, winner which and then i went and looked and i'm like oh i've read that oh i've read so i had read several right right, right? right, right. And, and so i didn't actually actually ancillary justice was really the first one i read quote unquote for my project right like uh because i had i had read the others many, before that how many do you think you had read when you started because i just looked through the list i i've only read seven of them of the entire list all the way back to 1953 I think that I had probably read about 15 of them previously, just okay. just in the course of me being me, right? Right. I do kind of feel like probably my greatest, and it's my greatest failing as like a geek reader. Yeah. Is, is that I still haven't read the Broken Earth trilogy. Which is the N.K. Jameson one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's funny that you feel that way. I mean, like, yeah, they're fine, I guess, is my feeling on them. I, I don't. Oh, interesting. I, mean, I don't. I don't hold like great animus towards them, but I also didn't find them particularly compelling. I I did start reading the first book one time and got pulled away by something else, but it was a little bit hard to follow, and it didn't. It it hasn't like I haven't felt like a great urge so far to, be to like, go oh, back. I need to get back. Yeah. 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 That uh, that kind of describes my experience with it too. So that that is interesting. But it is um, like it's it's probably like the most celebrated speculative fiction series of the modern era. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. I um, mean, all three all three books in the trilogy winning the. Yeah, like basically year after year. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind um, of interesting because as you go back, some of the ones that I've read were ones that Josh and I delved into a couple of years ago. And I kind of felt the same way about them. And that was the, uh, the uplift series. And there's several in that mm, series that yeah. are also on the list. Star tide rising, um, the uplift war. Um, I think the third one is nominated, but didn't win or whatever. Yeah. I thought those were a ton of fun. I didn't, I didn't actually enjoy them all that much. They were kind of, I was like, okay, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. Ne- I never walked away from them going, "Wow, those were amazing. Those deserve more." My mind has been blown. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh, a quick side note, I I read uh I'm 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 really anytime an author kind of gets paid, I I'm happy for them. And so, you know, whenever I see those new stories, I'm it makes me happy, but uh supposedly there was a bidding war on the Broken Earth trilogy and um it's been optioned now for tv and it was supposedly it's somewhere in the um single digit 
mid millions for wow. the, the option. Yeah, that's great. So she also uh, won a MacArthur Genius <laughs> Award. I don't know what that is. Basically, they just like give you, they're like, hey, we think you're really cool <laughs> and give you like, it's, it's, I can't remember if it was like a quarter of a million or three quarters of a million. And they're like, just keep being awesome. <laughs> and, and that's basically the MacArthur Genius Award. <laughs> I see. I just love that description of it. That's, that's fantastic. I'm sure any day now they'll bring one to us. <laughs> <laughs> Your guys' podcast, it's amazing. It's changing, it's changing the world. I would lose all faith in their award at that point. <laughs> it's all politics, Trevor. That's, <laughs> that's true. Okay. Well, so well, so Continuing as far on, as yeah. like the three that I've enjoyed, here's the thing. I'm going to talk about the ones that I've read now in this in this course of this past year, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of these I had read, and probably I probably like some of the ones I'd read previously more. Um, I mean, uh, just you know, like just as an example, Red Shirts is one I'd already read, and like you know, it's a Scalzi book, so of course I'm like a complete nerd about it, like. Um, but it's not one that I, I read this time around. So anyway, so that that's just my minor caveat. Because the ones that I want to point out to people that I think are like... I mean, Dune is on here, so... Yeah, right, exactly. Right. So like that one should kind of go without saying, right? I just want to kind of... making a movie, Josh? <laughs> uh, can you tell me who the director is? I, I might be interested. The same one who made Arrival. <sighs> I just realized... I just... Like, the first book that I'm going to tell you about, it reminded me of Arrival, which I think is part of why it like resonated with me. It's kind of funny. Okay. Um, so the first one that I is one that I really enjoyed was uh, the 2006 winner. Uh, the author is Robert Charles Wilson, and the title of the book is Spin. And the, um, the pitch is that the Earth is just like all of a sudden, and this is like in the... Uh, I'm going to say in like the late eighties, early nineties, the earth is just all of a sudden encapsulated in this membrane that causes it to continue to spin and, you know, at, at its normal speed or whatever. And the rest of the universe outside of it is spinning at like infinitesimally faster speed. So if I remember right, it was like for every, um, for every year that passes on earth in the spin novel, it's like, 1.3 billion years passes outside of earth or something like that. And, and so then it just takes you on this like fascinating thought experiment of like, you know, they're able to do things like send things up into space and have them evolve while, you know, only a decade passes on earth kind of thing. And anyway, it it was a, it's, it's the classic kind of like a, a science fiction thought experiment that like totally sucks you in and makes you interested. Right. And then it, the writing is just really well done. It's very human. I mean, like the characters are like, <laughs> this will be a terrible comparison, but like, you know, you know how the characters are in Shit's Creek <laughs> and you yep. just like, you know that you should despise them, but you just can't help but love them for how terrible they are. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Is that just me? Like th that's my experience with Shit's Creek. Um, the characters in spin remind me of that a little bit, you know, they're just very flawed a couple of them are very wealthy and, and you know, and, and the, their relationship is is part of the story that's told parallel to this whole like 
mankind trying to figure out, you know, was it aliens, you know, cue up the meme, it's aliens, history channel, it's aliens or whatever, you know, I mean, like, (laughs) so these parallel stories are just told really well. And anyway, I just, it's probably my favorite of the ones that I read so far in this project, like spin is, it was just been a ton of fun. Um, the next one that I would, of the ones I've read so far, is it, interesting. So um, this one is, it won in, oh shoot, I just lost it, 2000, okay? And this author, the author's name is Werner Vinge, and he has at least two. He also won again in 2007 called, with one called Rainbow's End. So I had read Rainbow's End first, right? I didn't like it. I, <laughs> I was like... I was like, okay, well, I, you know, check that one off the project. Time to move on to the next one. And then, yeah, of course, then because of the order I'm reading and I read Spin next. And so I went from like, a, you know, a heartbreaking low to kind of a dizzying high. And then I get, I get, you know, a few more books down the road to this next book. Well, earlier book that Werner Vinge had written called A Deepness in the Sky. And, um, and maybe it just says something about the kind of sci-fi I like, because this ends up being, um, in some ways uh, a similar vein to spin like it's this story it's almost like a space opera right there's this there's this one civilization that has kind of had command of all of space for for millennia and they come to this one planet that has a species that's just barely starting to develop um you know to become industrial kind of thing and 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 essentially hijinks ensue i mean like but it's like this long like the the high tech civilization you know they're going into cold sleep for decades at a time and waking back up to kind of check on this um the planet bound society and and then eventually you know there's there's kind of a conflict and a, and just really interesting story and, and again it almost tells these parallel stories of like these characters who are the spacefaring uh civilization and the characters that are the aliens the planet bound civilization that are they're basically kind of a spider based race and uh, anyway, just just it, it it was long, like it it takes a while to tell its story. But then the the payoff, you know, sometimes the payoff is worth the wait. For that, that was one that I felt like that very much. Then it was also one. This was where I realized that I had really made a stupid mistake with the way I was with the order in which I was reading the character, because a deepness in the sky is the second book in a series that he. That this Werner Vinge had written, and his other one had. Oh, so I guess he has three. Yeah, he had one in 1993 also with one called A Fire Upon the Deep. And I'm like, great. Because uh, I hate like reading the middle of a series and then coming back <laughs> to it later. But, but that is essentially what I've now done to myself, right? So, uh, but that was probably my, uh, the second favorite one that I've read so far. And, um, Honestly, I will probably give my third favorite of the ones I read so far um, to the and it's Lois McMaster Bejold, right? Is that how you say her name? I think so. Which is funny because I think I now haven't yet read her most beloved series, right? Which is uh-huh. the Miles for for Kosigan. Yeah, I haven't read those, but in 2004, her Paladin of Souls, mm-hmm. which was the second book in a series, um, won. And I actually, for some reason, I realized that that was the second one in the series. And so I read her whole series, the Curse of Chalion series, and I thought they were like really cool. And I mean, they were kind of a they're almost like a low magic fantasy world, 
in yeah. a lot of ways, right? And uh, just really well written and uh, in some ways almost like a romance novel. Uh, I mean, that's not – they're fantasy, right? But like it had the feel of like a uh, a romance novel plot going on in the background kind of thing. So uh, I, I want to give an honorable mention. I think I've mentioned it on the show, but one of the most sort of like – I think – I think the right phrase for me to call this as sort of thought provoking ones for me was the Yiddish policeman's union, because I I'm hoping that it just really gave this fascinating view into sort of the mindset of, of, uh, of a, well, of a Jewish police officer, I guess really. But again, it's set in an alternate universe where the state, the, state of Israel failed in the forties and, and a bunch of the Jewish people at that time got moved to Alaska. <laughs> so it's like, it's got this whole parallel thing, but it, it felt to me a lot like, um, I mean, this is, this is so Idaho of me to admit, but like my, you know, my exposure as a kid to sort of the idea of Jewish culture and what have you was fiddler on the roof. Right. <laughs> I mean, okay. I played I played Tevia in the high school musical, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, that's not a lot. But reading the Yiddish Policeman's Union felt like I was reading another sort of Fiddler on the Roof style story. Right. Just this sort of like because it, it's it's a detective noir story, but the guy's a Jewish police officer, you know, so it's like <laughs> you got your peanut butter in my chocolate kind of thing. A hundred percent. So that's my honorable mention of the ones I've read so far in this project so of the ones that haven't quite stuck the landing as much for you um i think you'd mentioned that once in future king was was prominently on that list is that correct i forget is that is that on here no that's oh not... i thought it was i thought that's no, why you were reading what happened is i started reading that one because my daughter gave it to me for christmas oh. so i read it out of like gift guilt <laughs> gift guilt yeah <laughs> That one did not stick the landing for me. It was even too weird for me, I guess, is probably the right way to say it. I don't have Give Guilt. I have people give me books all the time, and I just don't read them. <laughs> yeah, giving a book to me is a potential cruelty, honestly. Like <laughs> like when Jay recommended 2132, <laughs> which, was, I'm sorry. I'm which sorry. was a Hugo Award-winning nominee. I mean, it was nominated in 2013. Yeah, yeah. It and the description of it sounds amazing. Boxes. Yeah, exactly. Man, I... And, or 2312, it's, sorry, I keep saying the wrong name. It's funny, like I, I, he, he came out with another book recently that um, Ezra Klein has just been like raving about, about how it's like this, <laughs> just one of the best books of the year. And, and he did an interview of Kim Stanley Robinson, and it's about like, it's kind of this what, a, what if, how does the world react when, you know, after we do nothing about climate change and you know the emergency is upon us what um how does the world react okay um and so that sounds deeply depressing um it was, <laughs> supposedly it was uh somewhat hopeful <laughs> oh, okay okay exciting. but exciting. yeah yeah just but some of the I, I i do always find it kind of interesting when um you know, science fiction authors try to speculate on how humanity or people react to different events or stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's part of the fun of sci-fi, right? But like, yeah, yeah, also terrifying. Yeah. Um, 
so once the future king was was a gift guilt what were were there any others that were actually hugo winners that you just like didn't really enjoy at all yeah that didn't stick the landing so the 2011 winner uh blackout blackout slash all clear which is actually two books uh took too long for me to tell its story it's an interesting premise again it's basically a time travel story there's a there's essentially the equivalent of the TVA in the future, and they send historians back in time merely to observe, you know, uh, and they they believe that historians can't affect the future. And so there's all kinds of like paradox and time travel sort of like conversation set against the background of like World War Two. It's in it's set in, in Britain during the time of when you know they were doing blackouts because of the of the nazi air raids and stuff like that right so it like it's one of those things that like it looks really good on paper it had a really strong resume you know i'm like oh cool time travel and like uh you know world war ii that kind of thing and uh i'm like got to the end of it and it was one of those ones where i was like i'm getting to the end of this because i said i was going to get to the end of this right is that is that masochism i forget <laughs> um <laughs> if taken to its illogical absurd conclusion then yes <laughs> uh so yeah that was probably that was probably the one so, that... so do you feel like it was just a pacing problem then for you i mean because it's uh, according to wikipedia it is short shorter than a deepness in the sky page count wise I think that's a fair description, honestly, Trevor. Yeah, I think it was a pacing issue. Like, it took too long to tell certain parts of the story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is interesting that the page count is that different. It, and a deepness in the sky is long, like, but it didn't feel long. Yeah, so, according, yeah. To, according to Wikipedia, it is, the paperback is 775 pages long of a deepness in the sky, which for a novel, that's, that's quite a it, few. That's intense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, that does sound right. Um, one that I actually, I might go back and read the rest of the series, but in 2003, the winner was a, a book called Hominids. And so it's actually the first in a trilogy that tells the story of, um, basically a two alternate universes, quote unquote, ours, and one where, um, Neanderthals rose to prominence rather than, uh, Homo sapiens, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, at the start of the book, one a Neanderthal scientist ends up accidentally, you know, sh- thrown into our world. And so it's the story of this, I guess, fish out of water. But it, it it's not like it's not like Encino Man because this is like a Neanderthal that like their culture evolved and they have science and like you know, so there are those kind of differences. But he looks like a caveman, you know, kind of thing. Right. So interesting premise. Um, it felt a lot. It felt more like a romance novel than um, what than Bajold's Paladin Souls did, but uh-huh. and, and maybe that's what didn't connect with me on it or not. It, it, it was interesting, but it just yeah, that one sort of just I would give it a neutral, you know. Uh, I would give it. I wouldn't. I would give it a five, I guess. Overall, you would say that the the experience has been pretty worthwhile. I yeah, it's been exciting. It's been fun. Like 
because what it, I mean, for me, what it's done is I really have ended up, well, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm in a different genre or anything, but I feel like I've just read so many different styles of writing and so many different kinds of stories that I might not normally have read, you know, which uh, there's no reason why I wouldn't normally have read it. It's just, I had to sort of like deliberately tell myself to go well, do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I like about award stuff in general is that it, in reality that one of the biggest purposes behind it is that they're big marketing vehicles and so yeah right you know i there's there's it's, it's kind of in vogue for everyone to like hate the academy awards the oscars or whatever um but like i like movies i like having movies marketed to me and so like sure it, i i like that but it's it's kind of the same way with like the the hugos and the nebulas like yes please Please market these things that I <laughs> enjoy. Please make a convenient list for me, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think we talked there's about so it. There's so many like, books coming out. Yeah, now. exactly. And I think we talked about it. Like, I've enjoyed this enough that I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish up. I mean, I, I probably have about, um, I would say, eight more that I haven't read yet that I'll finish up. And then what, I'm going to... What gonna, year are you on? Well, so I skipped back and I'm, I'm to 1970 now. Like, I went all the way back. And started coming forward again. So I'm just kind of oh, scattered see. now. Like I said, I, I've got so The Left Hand of Darkness middle. and Ring World to read. I've got one by Asimov called The Gods Themselves, The Dispossessed. Uh, yeah, so I think I've got about eight left that I've not read before. And then after I do that, I want to go read the, the list of Asimov winners. Because I was telling you guys, I, I started reading, um, or not Asimov, I'm sorry, Arthur C. Clarke award winners oh yeah because I, yeah. I started reading children of ruin which was a sequel to children of time that had won the arthur c Clarke, and now i'm like oh this list of award winners is like pretty convenient for me like <laughs> it turns out i like some of this stuff <laughs> i like this marketing tool <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> actually i have a fair number of books that are on my stack that i want to get to right now um i have either of you read uh, stories of your life by ted chiang no no so i generally i usually don't like short stories as much as a novel but this is a collection of short stories one of the short stories is what awakening is based off of the movie okay um and i i bought it i'm excited to read it and part of why i'm looking forward to it as well is because um, the author was, was one of the people that Ezra Klein interviewed him and he was someone who he was, he, he just had a lot of, a lot of the things that he said about like the way he thought about the world or society or questions that were asked to him on the podcast was, I thought really interesting. Um, like one of the examples was he got asked about like, you know, how scared should we be about AI? And, and his response was like, well, you know, AI we're not really scared of AI. We're scared how humans are going to use AI and how it's going to create, you know, a few people with massive wealth and, you know, everyone else is going to be a pauper or whatever, but that's not really an AI problem. It's a human problem, human problem or capitalism problem or whatever. Right. So anyways, I'm excited for that. I'm also, um, two other books I'm <laughs> looking forward to. One is Zosha sent me a book cover the name of the book is Jay's Gay Agenda. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah. 
I am now contractually obligated to read this book. <laughs> and then uh, the next one uh, that I'm excited for is uh, Stacey Abrams wrote While Justice Sleeps, which is, is supposed to be kind of similar to The Pelican Brief. Um, well, yeah, I listened to an interview with her, and it's fascinating. Like, this is a novel. Like, this is straight yeah, up it's a, a novel. novel. Like, it's a novel that she wrote 10 years ago. And and now like, she looks like a prophet, basically. Yeah, she she pitched it, and they're like, "Well, this is this is crazy, too absurd. There would never, be, yeah, it's too absurd. There'd never be a president like this corrupt or <laughs> etc." So that's another one that I'm I'm looking forward to. Plus, the Grisha verse novels. Plus, uh, the the novel that everything else like it doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of something. Everything's going to be put on pause and. Uh, in one week, on June 22nd, I will begin reading the sequel to the Goblin Emperor novel. Oh yeah, I will also have to put things on hold. Like that, that would definitely kill this project. <laughs> well, pause it. Yeah, Not yeah. Good. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I said your words. <laughs> um, so to close out the episode, I think we were wanting to talk some about things that we're excited about that are coming up whether it's games, movies, books, TV, whatever. So I double-checked it. I'll go first because I teased this in our pre-ramble, which, again, subscribe to the Patreon and join us on the pre-ramble. Uh, but this release is on August 17th, so I'm going to probably have to talk to my boss and get that week off. <laughs> um, but there is a new 4X coming called Humankind. Uh, it's published by Amplitude Studios or developed by Amplitude Studios, sorry, published by Sega. And Amplitude did the um, Endless Legend, Endless Space. Okay, yeah. Those, right? So, I mean, they have, I think, reasonable um, a reasonable resume for 4Xs, right? Uh, but this thing looks, I mean, it's it just looks like a Civ game. And I think one of its, one of its kind of shticks is that as you go from era to era, you will... Um, choose and or change your civilization like the civilization that you're playing so like maybe you start out as like the romans right and you get to the next era and you could like swap over to like the aztecs right and so you'll have different bonuses and so over the course of i think i don't know if it's four or six eras or something like that you'll kind of like weave together this you know civilization that really has never existed before but but it will be kind of like your story kind of thing. Anyway, I I made the stupid mistake. I, there's a <laughs> there's a YouTuber. So apparently I'm an eight year old child now. There's a YouTuber named Potato McWhisk McWhiskey, and I got hooked on it watching <laughs> of it a couple of years ago. Yeah, he does, and he did Civ um, Civ Six and Civ Five YouTube videos for a long time, and so. I got hooked on watching him for like strategy tips and uh, anyway, he, I just find him kind of entertaining, which, you know, to, I realize the level to, of, I'm going to just say what it is, a patheticness that I've come to, to where I'm like watching hours of someone else play a civilization game. Right. But nevertheless, I have done that. And, um, humankind just looks like it's in similar veins, but he just did a video on it last week the title of the video was I was wrong about humankind. I think his initial impressions had been poor. And then he, he got like uh, in the beta or whatever and played several hours of it. And so he did this video and I'm just like watching it. I'm like, 
oh my gosh, that looks so amazing. And it doesn't look markedly that different from like a Civ game, right? But it, it clearly is just like, I'm just Pavlovian at this point, right? Like uh. it, it is ringing the bell clearly, right? <laughs> so, and I just realized that I could possibly join the clo- closed beta. And so I might need to talk to my boss about getting this week off. Have, have either of you played the 4X game named Thea 2? Thea 2. How do you spell yeah. it? Uh, T-H-E-A. Okay. I have not. It's, I haven't either. My brother recommended it to me, and so I was curious if you guys had, Is it had any experience with Thea it. Is it Thea 2 The Shattering or Thea 2 The Awakening? Uh... <laughs> Uh, I think that Thea the Awakening is Thea 1, maybe? Yeah, that naming was terrible. I just want to go on the record. Fair. All right, I'm adding this to my, you know, follow list or whatever you call it. Okay. I just, well, let me you know, know you guys... really, when they unlock sure. Control Space and Time, I just want to go into a bubble and play every 4X that mankind has ever conceived of. It's your marketing list, Josh. It's so that Steam can email you and tell you when it's on sale. Yeah, well, it works. Every time. <laughs> uh, so one that I'll do real quick um, that I'm, I'm actually kind of having an issue with. This is actually released right now. And so our, our local theater right now is playing A Quiet Place 2. Oh, I'm just freaking dying to watch this stupid thing. And I really enjoyed The Quiet Place 1. And I enjoyed it particularly in the theater um, but Brian is like the pandemic has broken him of all desire of going to movie theaters at this point. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And my, my other friend who I would go to movies with isn't really interested in a quiet place too. And so I don't have anyone to go with and I don't really enjoy the movie theaters much on my own. I guess I should get to that place, but Man, I would totally go with you, Jay. It's just getting on my schedule is basically yeah. the worst. <laughs> I'm so <It's> late. True. <laughs> uh, okay, Trevor, what's what's your thing you're most excited for? Uh, you guys, you should like. I'm excited about things that released two years ago. <laughs> like I, I don't really think to uh, look ahead because. Just, you have so much stuff behind. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're freaking you're freaking living life properly. Then honestly, yeah, I mean they're they're available to me. I just have to go get them. Um, there's a couple of things that are coming along the the pretty quickly that I'm excited for. One of them is Frosthaven. Um, they are very close to uh, printing and or sending it, shipping it out. Um, so I'm kind of excited to play uh, another different campaign with different characters and stuff that goes along the similar path with improvements uh, to Gloomhaven. So I really did enjoy the Gloomhaven experience and I'm looking forward to doing it again with a different setting, slightly different setting and some different characters. So that's one of the ones I'm excited for. Um, How close is it, Trevor? um, He just sent out an email like two days ago that basically said we're sending, we've finished with the PDF and we're sending it off to the printer, I think is what the basic premise of it is. I, I, as I mentioned before on the show, I back things. I really don't pay attention to them until they arrive on my doorstep. Um, but that's one that kind of caught my eye. Um, anyway, I don't, I don't know where that email is. I'll be honest, but I do know that it's getting very close. 
Um, so I would expect to probably see it before Christmas this year, assuming that there's no delays in printing and other things that have happened uh, repeatedly over the last couple of years. But, you know, they can, he's got enough clout, I guess, with um, the manufacturing that he could potentially move, get his, make sure his gets made. Um, anyway, so that's what I'm really excited about. Um, the other thing I'm excited about, I don't know when it's going to come out. Um, and it's, it's kind of like not very geeky, I guess. Um, I, I do love, um, I mean, we've, we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm kind of a gearhead a little bit and I love racing games. Um, and so Forza seven has been out for several years at this point and Forza horizon four came out about two years ago and it came out after for Forza 7. I know you two have no idea what those the differences are. Forza, the base game, is is very focused on racing. It's just you enter into racing um, events and you race. The Horizon series is a kind of an open world game where you take cars onto real streets and you do challenges and other things. They're very different style of games, but they both have the Forza name. Anyway, um, so both of those came out a few years ago, but the seven is the older thing. And so I was expecting Forza eight to be the next one on the docket. And it's not Forza horizon five is coming before. So they've turned around and made another version to, to for the new hardware for, for Xbox series X. Um, and I was really, really, really hoping for Forza eight, but the, the right now it was supposed to be a launch title and we're six months past Series X launch, and they're still saying that it's at least another nine months out, probably. I just want to know why they haven't uh, gotten appropriate corporate synergies, and we don't have a Fast and the Forza-ist Fast and the... Uh, I don't know how I to was, say that. I, I don't understand. I, I assumed when he started talking about this, he was going to say how excited he was for the Forza-Jurassic Park crossover. <laughs> uh, so the... The Forza Fast and the Furious crossovers already happened, Josh. Oh, so Wait, in the, Forza and Fast and the Furious did crossover? Uh, I mean, in a way, yeah. Okay, in, okay, in, in, okay. Within within Forza, there is a uh, a DLC that you can buy that's all uh, iconic <laughs> cars from the movies. There's there's a Hot Wheels crossover where you, they basically build cars that are based on famous Hot Wheels cars, mm. and there's a Lego crossover where there's a you know where you can drive Lego cars based on real cars. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. It is, it is more um, the Horizon, Forza Horizon. That's more their style. Mm-hmm. The Forza, the base Forza games are very realistic. They're very much based it's in. serious business. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, serious like, business. And those ones where like, you can straight up work on the car like and make like changes to the washers and the bolts and stuff, right? Uh, to a degree, yeah. The the, okay. the thing is, is the the very best players in Forza are, I mean, they have setups where they've got a wheel in their basement and and pedals yeah. and a shifting lever, and they're they are um they are very skilled. Like the guys who play a lot of Forza are they're every bit as skilled as a as a race car driver. I mean, they they kick me out of their rooms pretty quickly if I try to race with them because I'll you know I I bump and knock into other cars and they're like oh no no kick that guy out you know? this is the kind of things i love about mankind though that we achieve these kind of you know <laughs> pinnacles in achievement like i think it's fantastic yeah it's interesting <laughs> uh, anyway 
so I, I have no clue. The, it's it's sort of interesting looking because I bought both a PlayStation Five and an Xbox Series X, and the PlayStation Five has all these launch titles, and it feels like the Series X doesn't. Their claim to fame is like, here's this game that we released a year ago. We've updated it for the Series X with better graphics, which they did for both Forza Horizon Four and Forza Seven, and a bunch of other games. But like I, the 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 number of launch titles for the Series X have been very anemic. Yeah, and and some of the ones that they basically hinted at years ago, like Forza Eight and the new Halo game, I thought those were going to be out with the system and. Uh, I don't know when the new Halo game is coming out because console shooters are not really my thing, but um, they're, they're both not here yet for a system that's been out almost nine months at this point. Right, right. All right. Well, I guess we can wrap up there and you guys can let us know what you guys are excited about. Yes, we'll, please, we'll in watch. the Discord. Add to my marketing list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 